Hi, everyone. This is Baruch Lurie, and this is the Baruch Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Uh, by the way, Ari has uh, some of his own podcasts, which are always a pleasure to listen to from time to time. When I want uh, time to time, not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> when, let's see. When I haven't, when I haven't, uh, when I'm done finishing links to our own podcast, to make sure that uh, I don't sound too idiotic. And then I listen to Dennis Prager podcast, then Bruce Bennett, and then uh, read all my Wall Street Journal uh, editorials. Then read the uh, Wall Street uh, Journal report and video. Then watch Fox News. Then you are definitely, after I exhausted all that, then I listen to the Ari Davis show. You are such an elitist. <laughs> no, it's, I, I'll, 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 uh, all kidding aside, the Ari Davis show is quite good. And uh, he gets into nitty-gritty stuff. And he's a little bit more, uh, shall we say, acerbic than, uh, than I might be. Astringent. <laughs> <laughs> than, than I may allow in this, uh, in this show. Um, yeah. This one so, goes down like distilled water. Mine's like paint thinner. Right, right. I, uh, this this com- should come as no surprise to our listeners who, at this point, know Ari for for his uh, somewhat uh, antagonistic approach to uh, uh, to the Obama administration and to liberals, generally speaking. I will still allow for the possibility that uh, some liberals out there really are authentically uh, well well intentioned, and they just haven't really informed themselves very well. I think uh, Ari thinks that liberals are uh, inherently in a death spiral and want, <laughs> want to destroy the, the planet. And, <laughs> and, may, and, I, and I always laugh for that possibility. He might be right. He might, he might be right. I love it when you talk that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's funny. We, we're talking a little bit about death spiral just now. And it's, uh, an interesting article has uh, come out from PJ Media. I think David Goldman Spangler, is that? Yes, David Goldman Spangler. Um, and he, he wrote an excellent article. It's a very thoughtful piece about uh, really, well, death spirals, so to speak, um, of civilizations. And uh, he goes about talking about how the Romans and the Greeks and otherwise uh, have chosen, in a sense, collectively, to uh, end their culture, to end their civilization uh, through this or that means. Um, and he shows a very, a very compelling argument as to um, how civilizations conclude themselves, and they do it willingly, which is an interesting point. Um, I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said that America will never be destroyed by outside enemies. It can only be destroyed from within. And that is very consistent with what David uh, uh, Goldman Spengler uh, has said. And we will only we will end our civilization. America will end only if and when we choose to end it. And are we seeing the beginning of that choice? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping this is a terrible blip in our history. This this uh, so far six years and soon to be eight years of um, complete uh, downsizing of our military, downsizing of our value as a country throughout, throughout the rest of the world. And don't forget two years before of the Pelosi-Reed Congress in which yeah. George W. Bush basically did whatever they wanted, as bad as it was for our economy or security. He could only do what he could do. That's right. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough time for us and for we conservatives, generally speaking, because we conservatives, we know what, what works. We know what is, will, will maintain our 
integrity in the world and our stamina as a country. We know it. It's, it's basic. It's, it's God, family, limited government. Fair enough. Uh, there might be a couple of other small, other major points, but those three points um, are critical to our success as a nation, and that's what has led us to be the success that we've become. But maybe we'll be like in the end of Blade Runner, where that movie where they say that the, the, the candle that burns twice as bright lasts half as long. You know, perhaps we've, our, our, our rise has been so spectacular, has been so successful, that our quest to share the spoils uh, will actually destroy us in the end. And our sense that, well, gosh, we, we have so much wealth and so much bounty that we can start talking about nonsense, like whether gays can marry and have children, things like this. I mean, it's, you know, non-issues of the day, uh, whether or not uh, carbon is a pollutant. I mean, it's just, th these are the nonsensical things that we must deal with every day. Whether or not women who make more than men and graduate at higher rates in college than men hypothetically make 75 cents on the dollar, but somehow are still employed because someone hasn't figured out to fire all the men Right. Whether or not they should or should not pay $9 a month for their own birth control pills. Right, exactly. Uh, Sorry, that was wordy, but <laughs> yeah, I'm well, quoting from the source. Well, but what's her name? Uh, Sandra Fluke, uh, who was, you know, testified in Congress about, you know, how she needed to get money. And, you know, she spends $3,000 on, on contraceptives. She, I, no, it was some girl she knew. Remember? Oh, I see. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, important. It was second. Whatever. Time. So that girl that she knew... Um, Hint, hint. Uh, was it was her. Ten condoms a day. <laughs> you know, probably was having a lot of sex. I, I, I don't care. I mean, it's just, it's just, a, it's a nonsensical argument. These, these should not be the issues of the day. We've talked about this before. Where, what are the, what are the issues we should be discussing versus the, the issues that we are discussing, and, and those are one of the issues that we are discussing and are just nonsensical. But this is where we are at. Where we are at now. Good for America in the, in the twenty first century. The earlier part of it. And we are just not a serious nation anymore when we are talking about these as the highfalutin issues of the day, when we really should be focusing on uh, how do we ramp up um, the, uh, our faith in God? How do we get closer to God? How do we uh, fight the bad guys and make sure the bad guys don't infiltrate our society? Uh, and how do we have a limited government how, how, to get to get the most freedom in our lives. Yeah, or if you want to even go higher level and globally, the way liberals do, talking about how can we truly eradicate hunger, political corruption, disease? How can we truly explore right. our universe and other planets in our solar system, find out if there's life out there or other ways of mining the minerals we need off other planets rather than our own? I mean, why are we discussing that? Yeah. Wouldn't liberals love to talk about that? Sure. Well, actually, no, because, you know, as you said, my view on them is slightly different than yours. I think there's something wrong with them. But it shows you what an amazing waste of time our bounty has bought us. Yeah. Life is so good, we're able to waste our, our every resource we have. It's a stuff. remarkable thing. It is a remarkable thing. The, um, the death spiral comment is very interesting. And so it begs the, the, uh, the question of how it is that we come to this. Um, is, is this inevitable? And what do we as conservatives, because obviously, you know, society, it's not as if all everyone in, in the society thinks the same, right? You and I don't think this way. We, we would rather the, the national discussion be about those things we just mentioned. We, we don't want to be caught, get caught in the, the, the nitty gritty of stuff that is truly nonsense. And for that matter, um, 
uh, wrong-headed. It's, it's, it's simply in the wrong direction altogether. We don't want to be Cutlos. So, so we don't, we don't, we're not signing up with the rest of the culture, right? We're not voting along with all the other 300 million uh, people in America, and presumably there are many uh, Americans like us. We're not, we're not voting for the destruction of America. On the contrary, we, we want to see America even stronger. So what does, what does uh, you know, Mr. Goldman Spengler uh, suggest? And he, he says, you know, we have no choice but to either fight the system very hard while we still can or find a way to move out for our own safety. Right? I mean, it's, it, that's clear. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, advocating treason or... or the betrayal of your country by any stretch. Yeah, and in but, his but defense on, for that, he was actually referring to what would the citizens of ancient Greece or Rome, yeah. while the society was in the throes of the despotal, do. He's not exactly saying to Americans, "Hey, learn Mandarin and move to Shanghai." At this point, right? Well, and and, and no one faults you for for moving. Let's say you, you you're fed up with America for whatever reason, and you decide you want to move to Canada. No one's going to say, what a, what a traitor. I yeah. encourage Michael Moore and Alec Baldwin to do it right now. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, hold on. <laughs> Let, let's, let's continue on with the thought because I, I, I really want to address this. So what do we do? Either we fight it or, or we, when, while we still can or we have to move. It's one of those two, right? And it's, it's not really a combination. It's one or the other. And um, when things get bad enough, you leave. Uh, some of the, the Jews who were very lucky – uh, managed to leave Germany in the very early days when they kind of figured out what was going on. Ironically, it was those Jews who didn't have very much to lose that left. Um, it was those Jews who, who did have a lot to lose who stayed. And they, of course, in the end lost everything, including their own lives, tragically. So, uh, you know, what, at what point do we have to turn to ourselves and say, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no quarter here, we, we have to move? We're actually seeing some of that with the huge exodus of Californians to places like, for instance, Texas. Yeah. On a slightly different contextual different scale. scale. Yeah. yeah. But it's the same idea. Yeah. Well, it, interestingly, um, in this article, they talk about Hamas and uh, and Israel and the compare and contrast. He makes the argument, and I think he's got a good one to say that um, Goldman Spengler, that is that. That Hamas is such a culture that it's in its death spiral, that it's seeking to destroy itself. And while it's at it, it's going to destroy Israel in the process, too. Uh, think, of, think of somebody like um, the crazy we, we talked about this in a recent podcast, the crazy guy in Santa, Mon, uh, Santa Barbara, rather, um, who decided to you know, kill a bunch of people, and, but, but knowing that he was going to be killed in the process um, because he didn't receive enough attention. In his own mind, uh, his life was over, right? So he's, he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. That's, that's his thinking. And perhaps Hamas is doing the very same thing, that they, are, they realize they're on the death thro- throes, uh, that they can't sustain this model, so to speak. And um, it's time. It's time to go. But they're going to go out in a blaze of glory, and they're going to encourage Israel to attack them, and, and they're going to take as many Israelis with them as they can. You know, it's kind of like all those movies where somebody decides, you know, you guys go on, I'll stay behind. And they distract the alien uh, such that the, the rest of them can, can go on, right? And the, the, the great hero is left behind. Maybe that's the way Hamas views itself. I, I, I kind of 
not exactly on all fours on that one. I, I tend to think Hamas is crazy, and they they believe in death so much. Yeah, you don't think their pursuits are that noble, exactly. Or romantic, think, not, not at all, not at all. I think they, they they truly love death more than they love life. Uh, now, this brings me to the next point because uh, I, I, I love that article. I thought it was very interesting, uh, and you brought it up to me, Ari. Um, and it's a study of cultures, and it's it's a uh, Cautionary tale when it comes to our own culture. We have to be very careful, very vigilant of the little markers that are coming into our culture that indicate uh, the beginning of a death spiral. Now, somebody listening to this will say, what are you talking about, Barack? That's ridiculous. You know, it's not so ridiculous. Uh, you could, many, many Roman citizens of the day were crying out for, uh, to pay attention to the end of the Roman Empire because... Things were happening that they could foresee were going to be death markers. And uh, when you start having uh, wild sexual promiscuity, that's usually a sign. Um, and that we're, we're beginning to see that in America, too. Why do I say sexual promiscuity? Because it's not just the sexual promiscuity and, and the disease that it causes. It's, it's a reflection of the devil-may-care attitude. Um, because you, you, have, you can't just live for today. Sex is the ultimate um, desire by, by human beings, right? It's the most primal urge you can have, certainly for men. Uh, it's something that you, you must, you feel it. And until recently, people would have to kind of curb their enthusiasm, so to speak. They would have to, you know, be masters of their own domain and understand that they have to not have sex all the time as much as they would like to. Uh, there is a greater good for society. They have to focus to feed their family and, and everything else. Unless their attention was to reproduce. Right. Right. Exactly right. So, you know, but if you're in a society where there's so much money and so much wealth and so much bounty. And so much birth control, thank you, so much, Yeah. Yeah. If you, and so much birth control and drugs for that matter. Well, then, you know, you're kind of bored and uh, you know you're going to be taken care of, so to speak. So, you know, you just hire a bunch of hookers and. And maybe just like-minded women, and um, you just have a lot of fun all day long. And it's meaningless, of course, but you're satisfying your most primal urge. Um, and you think you're being a hero of some kind. You're not. You're being a fool in the process. Um, you might as well be the same with drugs, right? Uh, drugs, uh, you know, you could, you could partake in that too. And as long as it's not going to lead to addiction, well, then you just keep on doing it. But it, it always does lead to addiction, of course. Uh, so anyway, there was always that this or that Roman who was decrying the end of the collapse of, of Rome, and everyone laughed at them. And then Rome collapsed, maybe 10 years later, 20, 50 years later. But the markers were all happening. And not just sex, it was also a, a, an attempt to equalize everything, an attempt to, there was no moral sense anymore. Family didn't matter anymore. That's, that's when things start falling apart. Well, I think that if you back it up a step, the markers all uh, unfold before you like a, a carpet being unrolled and then you'd see them all. Yeah. And the, the step that I think you need to back up to, the ultimate marker of all this, and it's the thing that those Romans who are crying out, hey, protect this precious thing we have, is a lack of appreciation for And we've talked about this on other podcasts. How precious the civil society that bores you 
in front of your eyes each day is how rare and lucky you are just to have people obey traffic laws and street signs and when the cops pull you over, you pull over rather than getting into shoot, shoot out with them. That mundane civil society that is held together by this sort of agreement balance of factors right. and it just sort of works as a miracle that, you know, with all these – I was in the San Fernando Valley earlier today. It was a very hot day and someone on the freeway drove past us really fast. You can see they were really angry. As a matter of fact, just by luck, they happened to get pulled over. But that's really neither here nor there. That was just some good luck and <laughs> Feeney and I high-fived each other, etc. But the fact is that the miracle – that on a hot day in the San Fernando Valley, so many people, even driving recklessly, don't kill each other. Oh, yeah. That, that's something that not enough people appreciate. And when people lose the appreciation of those mundane things, that they lose perspective of how rare and lucky they are to live in this thing, right. then all those other things, sexual degradation, drug well, use, well, let, let's talk a little tattoos about that. and piercing, etc., all happen. Right. The... the, the it always fascinated with me. It fascinated me that that uh, so many of the um, the great music of the day in the late '60s, early '70s, where which is famously famously associated with hippies and the drug culture and everything else, so much of the music is in fact very organized, very structured, and very pleasing to the ear. And these musicians have actually worked very hard to 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 practice it, to make it. But the structure is so important, and and to which I often say. You know, when when they claim to be you know part of the hippie movement, they're really not, because uh, they actually were very structured. They had a dedication. Now there there are certainly those who ended up in drugs and everything else, and and they they died in the end. But take an example. Take a, yeah, those were the roadies, the not roadies, the musicians. Yeah. But take for example Aerosmith, which is a band I happen to like quite a bit. They are such a structured band. They have a process for their creativity that works, I think, beautifully because the result is so great. It's a band that has lasted for, I don't know, four decades now. They're in their fifth decade. It's really remarkable, and um, it's all about structure. But going back to your, your freeway example, that's also all about structure. You know, the reason why they're not constantly piling upon, piling upon each other is because there are lanes. There are very specific rules about how to go through those uh, lanes, you know, without too much uh, degradation, uh, sorry, too many regulations imposed upon you that you, you can't even breathe correctly. Yeah, not too much slowdown, yeah, but enough to keep it working. Yeah, it's a common sense uh, rules of the road, so to speak. They, they work, and as a consequence, there are relatively very few accidents. But we don't have that kind of rules of the road anymore when it comes to so much of our society. We have, uh, when it comes to uh, tattoos, for example, uh, you know, I just, I can't believe how many tattoos I'm seeing these days. Well, Maryland well, tattoos were cool because only one guy out of a 10,000 had one. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> you know? that's like anything else, right? It gets, it gets to the point that the coolness eventually, you know, deepens into the culture to the point that it's, it's no longer cool. Yeah. It's just a nose ring means nothing anymore. Uh, and, and nor should it have ever meant anything. I, I think, to me, when I, even when I was a little kid and I saw somebody with a nose ring, I thought he was a loser. Uh, I just, you know, so right, you got a but nose now, ring. But now you think, oh, he's a conformist loser. That's right. Yeah. Right? What, are you, what are you saying to me? What, what are you, sir, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah, I think but, you, but in, this, a, in an early podcast we did, said the same thing about drugs. You said, isn't drugs now the ultimate conformity? I've dumbed myself down to idiotic levels like everyone else, yeah. and now I can't think. I've conformed. 
Well, let me let me let me just kind of move on a little bit on this because um, you know what they're trying to achieve with the nose ring, with the tattoos, you know, God only knows, um, or whatever fu sort of uh, appendage they want to add to themselves. You know, what are you actually trying to say? That you you hate the culture? Okay, fine, say it. You hate the culture. Uh, I, I need to move on. Can I can I please have my coffee now? <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 that was a good one. <laughs> so, well done. Right. So the uh, but the death spiral. So what brings this all about is because we we're now living with a new cycle where there's um, the Gaza wars is going on, and you we're just you and I are trying to make sense of it. Like why would Hamas do this sort of nonsense? They're only you know bringing on the wrath of the Israelis. They know they cannot possibly win. Maybe there's they're counting on the media to to pile on on Israel and that will change things. I just don't think they're actually thinking that that far through. I think maybe there's a death spiral issue involved with them. But but here is where I'm going to change subjects, but they're very related right now. I spoke the other day to a liberal, uh, very good liberal friend of mine. And she said, uh, as I was talking to um, about the, the situation in the, the Muslim world is that they love death. The terrorists, certainly, they love death. The ones that we're seeing in the news, so to speak. And she said, not all of them. No, you can't say this. And I said, yes, I can. I can say it. And it's not about all of them, of course. But you, if you're just going to trip me up all the time and say that, you know, you can't always say that, okay, I agree. But we'll never get anywhere. You, you want analysis, then you have to talk in general terms. Okay, we, for example, we talk in general terms. America is a, a country of, about justice, right? We think in terms of justice. In the Muslim world, they don't think in terms of justice. They think in terms of honor. And revenge. Right, it, it's an it's a honor slash revenge society. And we are a justice society of what is right and what is wrong, not what, who's honored and who's being dishonored, which leads to revenge, like you just said. And you can tell me all day long, well, there's some people who believe in justice. Well, okay, fine, yes. We, we, please stop bogging us down in this nonsense. You need to see it for what it is. It's, it's like, like, I don't know, looking at a, uh, at a, um, a Petri dish of, of uh, bacteria, and you say, oh, look, there's a little speck of something else there. Okay, but it's a Petri dish full of bacteria, please, okay? Stop. You know, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like talking to a kid. You ever talk to a kid uh, who, who wants to tell you a time? All the time right. I do, you know. Okay. Daddy, this is the word for – no, no. No, no, honey, no. We're dealing with just in general. That's what it is. No, no, but it's this and it's that. I know it's that, but right. – Exactly. But you, you ask them you, – you look at the clock and it says 501 and it's between 501 and 502, okay? And – and you say, oh, gosh, it's 5 o'clock already. No, Daddy, it's 5.01. And, uh, okay. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but you know, it, we, generally adults, when it's close to that, or before or after, we say it's 5 because it's just an estimate. Yeah. And, and someday she'll learn the concept of rounding up, rounding down. I, right. I'm totally down with that. But, but they've <laughs> been trained so much to think that there's you – know, the, the, Here's the thing. Why do they say this? Why do, why do the liberals say this? Why could this, my friend, liberal, say, you can't always say that? Because she's been trained to think that everyone is exactly the same. 
Right. And she's been trained that if you're not absolutely specific, you're insulting either 501 or 502 by right. rounding it down to right, five. Right. In, in, that, that, in, more or less. Know? Yeah, more or less. So she she focuses on this, on the minutia, and it, we're unable to actually have a little, uh, you know, an actual discussion. Meanwhile, the vast majority of Muslims are, are planning to take over Israel. And, and while she's saying, well, not all Muslims think that way. Well, tell that to the rockets that, that, that not all these Muslims are sending over to us, right? I mean, tell that to them. You know, that, that, this is the madness. And, and tell that to, to, the, to, to not all the Muslims who are using children as their shields. Tell that to all the Muslims who, who are sending their, their boys to, to restaurants to blow up innocent Israelis, right? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm being cheeky here when I say tell that to all the Muslims, all the, the vast majority of Muslims. Because the, the vast majority of arguments, uh, of Muslims' argument, you hear this all the time. It's just, you know, you don't know that. You just don't know what you're talking about. Um, why do you say the vast majority of Muslims are, are peaceful? Who, who told you that? And, and what does that mean, peaceful? I think you said in two podcasts ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but what is it? But, but we don't know that, right? Now, if you say that they're peaceful in the sense that they're not the ones actually lobbying hand grenades and rock and sending off rockets and beheading people. Okay. Then the, yes, the vast majority of Muslims are peaceful, but when you have a poll uh, among them that, you know, some of them are, are passively in support of the terrorists of what they're doing, then we've got a problem. Okay. And then, you know, if, if there's a, a decent majority of them who have the attitude, well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, as long as they're not attacking me, I'm fine with it. You know, that's not a good attitude. You need, you need Muslims among the Muslims who say, this ain't right, uh, that, that express outrage. And I just, you just don't see that here. You don't see it in America. You don't see it anywhere else. I just, I never see one member of CARE or any other big Muslim group saying uh, what's going on in Hamas is just totally counter to the Muslim way. Uh, I'm totally offended by this. But, but I don't want to, I don't want to sidetrack my point to my very liberal friend it was her point that the that you can't say this about everyone, and, and it meant zero. It just meant nothing when she says it. It's it's like talking. You might as well say, well, you know, do you know that sometimes it's a foggy day and that might change the weather? I, I it, it what does it have to do with anything that not all of them? You have to say you have to be realistic. Yes, and not only not all Germans were supportive of Hitler. But you know what? We went to war against Germany, against the Germans. That's the way it worked. And we fought uh, in the Cold War. Which Who did we fight? The Russians. Okay? And some of them were, were no doubt very supportive. In fact, they were called dissidents. Okay? But we're fighting the Russians. Deal with it. Okay? Right now, we are fighting the Muslims. Okay? And it's a very hairy and difficult war. Is that an attack on Islam as a rule? No. You know, I feel like I'm, I have to qualify myself all over again. Well, don't then. Uh, but, but, okay, we're not. We're, we have to say what we're not saying. We are. We are not saying that this is. We are. We want to go to war with Islam itself, but we can't help but notice that the people who are trying to kill us are Muslims. Okay, so we need to fight back. We need to to say you know without getting caught up into the PC world of everything and and uh, get caught in the minutia of de- definitions. And recognize that some of the people that are coming, you know, big in big waves against us, that some of them might, might be nice people, 
but I'd like to see those nice people. Please, can you please point them out to me? Of course not all Muslims desire to kill us. Of course not. But I'd like to see them fighting the Muslims who do want to kill us. Yeah, a few days ago there was a rally at the Federal Building here in Los Angeles. I was there. Of Israel. You were there. Mm-hmm. Do you remember an incident where a few um, uh, supporters of the other side came out and beat uh, those on our side with sticks? I heard about it. Uh, yeah, the question I have is, also. did we hear anything about any of the other people on that side of the political issue condemning or trying to stop those from beating people waving Israeli flags with sticks? Yeah, well, there's a good example. That's what we're talking about. That's here. exactly what we're talking the about. The other thing I would say if, 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 by contrast, there were, let's say, pro Palestinian. Uh, rally. And by the way, there are many in front of this very building because I happen to be in the same building as the Israeli consulate. So there are, there are protests in front of this building. And, and, and they get a license that, or permit, whatever, and there are police involved and, and the Palestinians, the Palestinian pro, uh, you know, supporters. They're not I Palestinians, suppose. they're college students from UCLA, but whatever. Y- you the, you su- know what I mean. The, the supporters. The supporters. Are, okay. The supporters are out there. They, they, they chant what they want to chant, and they, they, it's very often nasty stuff about Israel. But fine, it's a, it's a country of free speech here. Can you imagine if some Israelis or Jews, uh, you know, just three or four of them, came up in a car, got out of their car, and just randomly grabbed some of the pro-Palestinian supporters and just started wailing on them with their fists? You know very well, you know damn well, they would be on Fox, not Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and all over the world. Front page of the New York and LA yeah, Times. About this Islamophobia and this hatred and this, this must stop. Uh, this is a danger on the rise. Yeah, these uh, in Jewish America. supremacists. That's, That's right. Yeah. It, it would be uh, a very shocking circumstance. And, and we, uh, on this side of the equation, would, would condemn it as well. You know, Rabbi Heyer and, and all the other Jewish you know, uh, leaders to the extent that you can actually designate them. Would would speak out loudly, and it would be all in the all the the rabbinate and all the clergy would say this is something we condemn. We would do it ourselves as well. You and I would. You and I would. And but but no, when it comes to them, it's par for the course. This is this is what you can expect, right? And in many ways, it's kind of like the way the liberals argue about themselves versus the Republicans. When a Republican, for example, engages in an illicit affair with another woman. Uh, not his or wife. man, okay. <laughs> not his wife. Then uh, the liberals all are all over that. But when they do it, with a few exceptions, John Edwards being one of them, uh, it's it's not a big deal. It just it happens. Um, and we ask them why, and then they say, well, because you tout it, uh, you're, you're telling all about family values, and then you do exactly the opposite. You're a hypocrite. In other words, they get to dismiss their misdeeds because you understand they have no standards in the first place. <laughs> they, they begrudge us because we have standards and they fault us. They point to us and they, they mock us because we have standards. That's the same thing when it comes to the, the, the Palestinians versus the Israelis. There are no standards. Anything goes when it comes to Israel's enemies. Whatever they do, it's beyond belief. They, they'll grab three teenagers off the street and kill them just like that. And God knows what they did to them, by the way. And they still won't reveal what they did. And frankly, I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't uh, for the sake of their parents. 
Um, and they will, uh, of course, behead people, whatever they find them. It's so, it's, it, it, there's just no stopping these people. In terms of, when, just when you thought you couldn't think of anything more evil, uh, they managed to find a way to disgust you even further, to just say, to shock your conscience yet again. But contrast the Israelis uh, to a fault. Um, bend over backwards so much to avoid civilian casualties that they actually harm their own position in the process, such as, for example, dropping leaflets in front, uh, you know, above the, uh, the houses and buildings that they intend to attack. Or sending in troops on foot to do surgical yeah. operations rather than just carpet bombing the whole place. Israel could easily carpet bomb the entire place. And we're not even talking about nuclear weapons, of course not. Just carpet bomb the, the friggin' place and just say, you know what? You're giving us enough of it as a hassle. And we'll, we're just telling you the entire area of Gaza, we're going to just destroy it completely. We're going to level it. You guys have 24 hours to leave. Yeah, we're going to make it look like Detroit. Right. And then you'll, that, that's, that'll be your new home. You can come back as soon as we're done. Okay? But uh, for the sake of your lives, at least you'll have your lives. Okay? Uh, this is what I wish, you know, I, I wish Israel was a little tougher in that department. I don't, I'm not talking about the leveling of the entire area of Gaza. You probably would. But <laughs> I'm, I, I... I wouldn't leave that much. Yeah. That's nice of you. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it is oceanfront property. I, that's my argument. <laughs> I said, where are we giving them oceanfront for? Give them something in the desert. Anyway, uh, Israel uh, does things uh, in, in a very high standard way. But, of course, the world doesn't recognize it. And, look, I, I'm, I'm talking about the big picture here, and I want to get back to it, which is liberals, the, so many of the left, so many, and, and truly not all of them, so many of them view the world as being exactly the same. Everyone in the world. There are no differences. There are no differences in cultures. And you just brought up the point, Ari, uh, offline about how John Kerry uh, has been going around yet again uh, wondering how America can consider itself exceptional. Uh, exceptional in what way? And, and all, the, all the, diff the nuanced plays that he makes about how America is not exceptional. Uh, this, is, this is what they do. And it's a way of saying we're all the same, but we're not. We're really not. We are truly unique. There's a reason why, for example, Africa, which is rich in resources, I mean, more abundantly rich in resources than uh, so many parts of the world, is so poor. It's because of its culture. It's, uh, it's uh, mostly dictators run uh, the various countries there. It is backward for so many, uh, so many cultural reasons. And it's nothing to do with a skin color. It has to do only with uh, a culture of corruption. And when you have that, you have Mexico. You have uh, Honduras. You have uh, these, you know, very difficult places to live. Uh, people that people want to escape all the time. You have Guatemala. So, um, but, uh, but you have countries like Japan, which has virtually no resources, and yet... Uh, with the exception of the recession, the stupid liberal policies of uh, the Abe government and uh, pr and predecessors, uh, you know, is a you know was a thriving, world class civilization. And it's so rich because of the culture and the the drive and the the ingenuity that even with thirty years of terrible socialist quasi socialist policies, they still are a rich first world country. Right. It's not like they're descending into North Korean looking slums. Right. 
They it's, will if they continue for God knows how long in that direction. But but you see, you see, you see that the best way, on there. the best way to destroy a country is precisely to tell them that they are not exceptional. To tell them that you're just the same. Everyone's the same. There's no differences among anybody. Which is kind of funny because that's such a dramatic generalization, right? All women are this and, and men are the same, right? It's almost racist or sexist to, uh, yeah. to well, well, say. Why, why, can't, why can't we be different? And so why, why can't I throw back at the liberal space and say, how can you say so? Uh, you know, how... You can't say that about everyone, that everyone's the same. In what way are we all the same? Um, so, you know, Chung Wa Chung, who's my favorite violinist, um, she's a hell of a lot better violinist than I am. In fact, by the way, I don't know how to play the violin at all, and I never will know how to play it. She's different than me, okay? And she has a dedication to the violin that I just never will have to any instrument. She's found a path that, uh, God bless her, has led her to be the best and I'm sure she's, she's had such a passion for that that I just don't have. I have a passion for other things, God being one of them. And, and uh, other people don't have the same passion that I have for God. And they're not bad people. It's just I'm fascinated with the God question. And they may believe in God, but they're not as fascinated about God as I am. Okay? And it's it, it just so I, – I, I just can't stand it when people are utterly unable or just refuse – to see the obvious right there in front of them. The obvious. And that applies to the existence of a divine creator. That applies to understanding the differences in culture. Uh, that applies to the differences between men and women. And you just have to do this, this crazy, stupid, you know, it's 502 it's dance. A, I heard uh, Every someone once call it a fan dance of political correct linguistics right. to say the most basic things. Right. You, you, you spent an hour requalifying what you said two minutes earlier and then two minutes earlier than that, right? You're constantly saying, explaining that you meant 502, okay, okay, 502. I didn't mean 5 o'clock. I should have said 502. I'm so sorry. Does that, are you still insulted by that? Because I really, I really didn't mean 5 o'clock when I should have said a 502. And this, this is the kind of stuff that you get, they get you bogged down in because technically they're right. It is 502. And technically, they're right. Not all Muslims think this way. And technically, they're right. Not all women, you know, uh, want babies. Technically, they're right. Not all men want want to have a, a lot of variety in their sex. I, I, I get that, but you're a fool to not understand, you know, this. And and you you would be a fool as a woman. Just for example, let me give you an example. You're in a dark street, okay, and you see uh, a man that's pretty husky. And he's looking at you, okay, not, not uh, in a menacing way. And you're scared. Well, why should you be scared if your liberal mantra holds true? Because not all men want to rape you, right? Maybe this, this is one of those good guys, despite his menacing look. No, but you are going to be scared. And the reason why you're going to be scared is because, generally speaking, in a dark alley, with a man that looks disheveled, like like uh, like I'm just describing, and he was leering at you, generally speaking, that's a bad sign. Okay, it could very well be that he's leering at you because he perceives uh, your, a sausage or some sort of Fritos that are in your purse, and he's really hungry and he wants that. But probably not. <laughs> okay, probably not. And so we engage in generalities all the time. We 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 need generalities to survive. 
to understand our world. The, the, the Constitution itself is, um, is a document about generalities, right? I mean, it's, it's developed a system based upon the generality that we need checks and balances to avoid corruption. Because if you left man alone by himself to do, to do things unchecked, he will assume power and he'll want power and more power. But not all men, not all people want that kind of power. You can say that too. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's quite palpably stupid. But here we are, you know, living in a society where we can't even identify what the issues are that might save us from ultimate ruin. Yeah, remember we were talking about Life of Brian yesterday? Yeah. We were talking about that very scene where uh, they're leading the, the revolution to the Romans and they can't get anything done because all the political correct language has to be perfectly precise. Yes. Men or women. Okay, or women. Right. Or men or... Yeah, no, no. I mean, before you go any further than that, we're going to describe that scene. Ready? And, and I... Um, you'll, you'll be the, the... I'll be Loretta. Loretta, right. Okay. Okay. So there, uh, let me establish the scene for you. They're in an arena where they're watching a, a smallish gladiator fight. Um, and these are rebels in the Jewish community that are trying to fight the Roman occupation. And uh, they're, of course, the Monty Python troop. And uh, about four of them are together. And they are all busy with resolutions. And they're talking about how they want to uh, resolve to fight the Romans. So uh, one of them says the following to the others. And I tell you that we must insist to the Romans that no man shall ever... Right, right. Uh, or woman, right. Uh, and that no... Uh, shall, shall suffer any inability to vote and that no man shall be... Or woman. <laughs> shall lack an... What? Okay, fine. Right. Or woman. Right. Right, right. And uh, that every... Uh, and with regard to... Um, um, taxation, every man should be able or to... Or woman. Right. What is it with you, <laughs> with this woman business? Well, I want to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I, we I could do the rest of the scene without coming. That, that is, that is yeah. pretty much the essay. Yeah. But, but is, the point was, is getting bogged down in this minutia, right. and you forget the battle. Right. You know? He totally forgets the battle. And, and what's so funny about it, of course, is it brings a modern-day issue into an ancient time that where, where that such a thing did not exist. And my favorite part of it was in the end of that discussion where he says, what is it with you? And, and he actually says, he looks kind of uh, longingly to the sky, and he says, I want to be a woman. <laughs> and, and just the, the idiocy of that, of that moment. And then, then, they, then they say, well, you can't be a woman, right? And he said, well, but I insist that this should be for a woman also. And I want the right to be able to have babies, right? Something like that. Yeah. He, we all agree that, that Stan can't be a woman and he can't have babies, but he should have the right to. Right. Fine. <laughs> okay. He has the right to. So this is where they get yeah. bogged down. And, and we are, as a civilization, getting bogged down on such nonsense. Yeah. But see, that... that, that, that yeah. We are we getting bogged down on such nonsense that we are getting to the point that we can't even see the enemy coming right at us, right? I mean, you can literally see a swarm of men. Just visualize this, if you will, before we conclude our, our podcast today. A, a, a swarm of men with shields and, and swords and, and uh, all sorts of uh, rifles and machine guns 
just coming right at you. And we're looking at it. And you and I, Ari, will correctly say, man, oh, man, we've got to get the F out of here, right? Or, you know, we've got to have our own weapons and plow down these monsters before they get any closer. Or the enemy is coming. Right, or the enemy is coming. And so many of our liberal friends looking at that very same scene will say, Oh, I, I don't. I just see a sea of water. That's no, no big deal. It's just a bunch of people. Are you, are you sure those are even people? You know what? They might be even statues. It's a, it's a lovely painting. You, you just don't see it. Um, but no, there are people coming out, and they're coming at us, and they want to kill us. They're saying so. No, you can't hear any any one particular voice out of all that. How do you know that? Because they're looking at us, and they appear to you know they're coming faster and faster toward us. Well, maybe they want to go see a movie together. Yeah, but their shields say kill the infidels. <laughs> well, who are the infidels? Maybe, maybe uh, they, they want to. Maybe they're the people behind us are but the don't infidels. You, yeah, or, or maybe the infidel is their own uh, personal struggle. You see, and that's what. And they're going to a rally, but they're coming. They're ten feet away from us. We gotta fight. Lift up your effing shields. No, no, no. And then done. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then there's no room for discussion. And uh, this is the way we are leading our lives. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how far away is that mob? Is it 100 miles away? Is it 10 miles away? It's not one foot away. I can, I can, I'm sure about that. But how close are they? Or did they pass us 10 minutes ago and on their way yeah. to take you over somewhere else? We are talking about, and this is where we'll leave it, we're talking about are we seeing the end of our civilization, are we coming upon a clash of civilizations that we, we can't even recognize it? I, I, you know, one of the things you learn in law school is to, and what, this is what they test you on at the, in the bar. It's not about knowing the law. Not at all. You think it's about knowing the law and knowing what the Smith versus Jones case held and all that stuff. It's not about that. It's about knowing what the issues are in the case. That's what you're tested on. If you recognize, because because research you can do with that all day long. That's easy enough. You, they, but they want what they want to know whether you see what the issue is. You know, is this a breach of fiduciary duty? That's the issue. Is this uh, was there negligence involved? Was there fraud involved? Uh, and if so, are there any defenses? And can they argue waiver? Those are issues. And what I'm telling you, my dear listener, is I don't know that we are able to spot the issues anymore. And we need to. We need to spot them really fast. My friends, I hope you enjoyed our podcast. This is Barack Lurie signing off. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.